making a change there was important. Justin Herbert, I'm still a little bitter that the Dolphins didn't get him, but... Welcome to the Sports Forecasters Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. This podcast has been created not to dwell and over-evaluate what has already happened in the sports world, but to predict and to forecast what has yet to come. From game picks to draft picks, and from trades to free agent signings, we will let you know what happens before it happens. Your hosts, Nick and Nate, will evaluate, study, and understand sports patterns, tendencies, and nuances to better prepare you on what to expect. Just like Weatherman, but way more accurate. So if you like to pick games, or you simply just want to be in the know before anybody else, you are in the right place. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, this is the Sports Forecasters Podcast. I'm Nathan, we got Nick here, and we, there's a lot of stuff going on. We got the Olympics going on. We got a ton of NBA free agency and buzz, so we're going to touch on that as well. We got, we're going to continue our football predictions um, throughout this month as we approach the NFL season, which the preseason has started, Thursday Hall of Fame games. So, um, Oh, and then we have to touch on the draft, which... Nick beat me by you know beat me by two points on our little draft challenge. So kudos to him. But uh, what's up, Nick? How you doing? Doing well. Thank goodness for proximity grenades in terms of my picks. Being relatively close is the only thing that saved me. It's kind of like playing Halo, where I just throw random grenades and it happened to land. Got lucky there. So yeah, the draft went well. It's a surprising move that the Raptors passed on Suggs, went with Barnes. Suggs went the next pick to the Magic. So. No complaints here, hoping that helps Orlando, but Orlando has a lot more to do before they start talking about being a contender again. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we've had the draft, free agency buzz here. A lot of things have happened. So Nick and I, you know, being the forecasters, we're going to we're gonna pick our biggest winner, biggest loser of just this NBA offseason. And uh, and kind of project where we think these teams, uh, the winners and the losers, um, have done, and where what they're what they're going to project to do next year based off these additions. So I will start with uh, my winner. So I think the Chicago Bulls did an amazing job, um, especially in free agency this year. Uh, they a team that was fighting for a, a playoff berth uh, to play in that playing tournament. Last year, I liked um, I liked the trade they made to give uh, Vujicic um, late in the season, uh, so they'll have him. But of course, they got Demar Derozan, which um, obviously is a great addition from San Antonio. Obviously, he had his great years in Toronto. Lonzo Ball, uh, and a a very good point guard. Um, I know he gets a lot of slack a lot of times, but I think he's improved his shot. He's improved his game. Um, and his little brother is really good, and I think the older brother here is going to put in the time and effort to make sure that little brother doesn't pass him. So I think that motivation for Lonzo is there. Um, and he's in a new city, and I think it'll be a good reset for him. And then Alex uh, Caruso, I think that's a really good pickup as well. So I, I liked what the Bulls did. I was shocked at what the Bulls did. I love the coach there. I just love the direction they're going. So as opposed to be fighting for a playing spot here, I think they're going to actually be in a good position to not even worry about the playing tournament next year. I could see this team being 
um, like a six seed or even as high as a four seed in the East, um, even with a lot of these East teams beefed up. I think Chicago will make the biggest leap in the East because of what they did this offseason. Who is your winner? My winner this season is actually your favorite team. I really liked what the Miami Heat did. Two seasons ago, the Miami Heat, yes, it was in the bubble, made the finals. And this season, made the playoffs. Very disappointing about how that series went. So they addressed areas of concern. They brought in Kyle Lowry to give them more stability at the point guard position. They were able to retain their star player, Jimmy Butler, and also keep Olin Depot there. So they have their offensive stride. And really the pieces they lost were aging pieces that they need to move on. So I really loved what they did in terms of building and bulking up the parts that were weak for that roster to help make them be a better contender this upcoming season to where they're like, are they really going to contend? Or I think Pat Riley shows he still has that pull or that ability to bring in those bigger names to help contribute to the team, not just random pieces that they hope will work. So what seed do you think the Heat will be next year? Well, Brooklyn Bucks 1 and 2. I could see them being anywhere from 3 to 5. I I would be shocked if they were lower if they were 5 or lower. I guess I should say so 3 or 4 is where I see them. Yeah, well that would definitely be an improvement because they were a 6 seed last year. And the nice thing about the East, like you were kind of saying with the Bulls, in the East it, I feel like that's an easier conference to shift up and down in terms of seeding. I mean with the Nets and Bucks probably staying towards the top, the rest of the seeds, I feel like you can, if you make the right moves, like our two winners here, I feel like you can shift a lot better in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, two teams very top-heavy, but, you know, three through ten is could, could go to anybody. So, Lel, let's jump to our losers. So, obviously, some teams disappointed us. Uh, in this offseason. So we're going to break down which teams we feel like disappoint us the most and we'll take a step back this coming season because of their lack of free agency or trading or or drafting efforts this year. So let me start again. I'm going to start with uh, a team that I've kind of been hard on a lot uh, this last year and will continue to be. Uh, it's the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, here's a team that really didn't make any splash in free agency. It's like you were you were the number one team in the East, and you couldn't make one free agent signing. And in fact, what you were trying to do was trade away one of your star players, and failed at doing that because your asking price was probably only worth like a, for a handful of players in this league. And he's clearly not one of those handful of players. So you're the number one team in the East. You can't attract any free agents. And now you have a player who has the motivation of um, a rock, to say the least, and um, who can't shoot free throws, who knows that you want to trade him but failed to trade him with a limp Joel Embiid and no additions and no splashes made. Uh, in free agencies or trades. So I see 76ers taking a pretty big step back this year, um, especially with all the shiftiness that's happening in the East. I think a lot of these teams could easily beat them, like the Heat, uh, the Bulls, the Knicks, uh, 
teams that were well below them in the standings, I think are going to surpass them because of uh, their lack of um, offseason moves here. So 76ers are my losers. My losers, I actually give a two-way tie. And my standard of being a loser for this period is based on your situation. It is the worst-kept secret in the NBA. Players gravitate to certain situations. One of those two situations is, are you a big-name franchise? Or do you have a lot of ballers on your team that they want to join with? And the trend has been joining with the ballers, which tend to gravitate to the bigger city. So those bigger franchises win twice. We have two teams here where two players are coming up at the end of their contracts. The first team I'm going to talk about is New Orleans Pelicans. New Orleans Pelicans, you have lost Zion William. This man has been not patient about what you've been doing, and you've done absolutely nothing to show that you're going to try to be a contender or try to build a team around him that can be any sort of competitor in this NBA. Zion's as good as gone. You might as well start trading him now. Try to get those four first-round picks that 76ers thought they could get for Ben Simmons and get him for Zion now because he's not coming back. You're fooling yourselves. I would be absolutely shocked if he came back. My second loser goes along with the same theme, except he's one, in my eyes, you're the bigger loser for not doing something. Now, something could change still. We're still at a point where a lot of shifting could happen, but the the team that ties as a loser for this free agency are the Portland Trailblazers. At the beginning of this offseason, there's been rumors aplenty about Dame wanting to be traded, Damian Lillard. And what he wants is he wants you to bring him someone that's going to help him contend. Now, could Chauncey Billups convince him like, hey, we got something going on here? Maybe, but this is Chauncey's first rodeo. How much is he really going to be able to bring in that first year and convince him to stick around? Portland, you still have a chance to do this because he he has went on record saying he wants to stay in Portland, but you need to get that ball rolling now. It can't be promises down the road because he knows that sand timer is ticking, and when it runs out of sand, there's no going back to try to recapture the magic. So those are my two losers because you have star players on these franchises, and every team wants to do everything they can to keep the franchises. And for me, Portland. You have this opportunity. Pelicans, you've lost your opportunity. So Portland, learn from the Pelicans. Do something while you still have time before we get the the trade deadline. Because by the trade deadline, Damian's already made up his mind what he's going to do by that end of that season. So those are my losers. Long and short of it is you need to get people around them to want them to stay in that city. Yeah, very good take there. Um, This is always a good time of the season, man. I always like to see... uh, the NBA and all the shifting they do because it's, I, I feel like it's much more significant because there's only 12 players on a team, only five players play at once, you know, and they play both sides of the ball. So even one change in player shifting is, is makes quite a splash as opposed to like football or baseball um, where there's much, many more players and, and like a football, only one player plays on one side of the ball. So, um, unless it's a quarterback, it doesn't make as big of a splash. I feel like as as what the NBA does. So I felt like a lot of good takes there, and um, already already getting excited for for the next NBA season. Uh, but speaking of uh, football, we are gonna move to the NFL. Um, it's August, man. 
the Hall of Fame game was on Thursday, which is uh, which is great. So preseason has started. So we're going to continue to do our theme here, division by division. And so we are going to do the AFC West. Now we've been kind of holding this off because the whole Deshaun Watson rumor to go to Denver. <laughs> so, but we're running out of time. So we're going to go ahead and do uh, the AFC West and. Um, yeah, let's let's break this down. So let's start with the winners from last year. They represented the AFC in the Super Bowl. Kansas City Chiefs. Nick, where do you got the Chiefs doing this year? Well, the Chiefs last season, it was um, shocking to both of us because of how we projected the game to go, how badly they needed their offensive line. And this offseason, the Chiefs, that's what they did. They went out on the market and they went after offensive linemen galore. They signed one, two, three, four, five in free agency, get five in free agency or trading. Then they draft one. And so they saw their weakness on the offensive side and they addressed it as best they could. They made sure that's not going to happen again. They made sure they had their depth and health there. Now, are they same quality players? Time will tell on that one. But... I like what the Chiefs did in terms of addressing the offensive line because it was painfully obvious very early on. We were texting each other as the Super Bowl was happening about how badly Patrick Mahomes needed some kind of protection because the guy was making good throws, but he was doing them basically on his knees or as close to to his knees as he could be without being called down and just trying to sling it all over the place. And if his receivers catch a few, it might have been more of a competitive game, but that's neither here nor there. I like what the Chiefs did this offseason in addressing that offensive line, trying to bring more stability to that. And any defensive players they lost, they try to address that as well. Um, losing Sammy Watkins, quite honestly, isn't the biggest of losses simply because the guy isn't on the field a lot. He gets hurt for about four to five games each season. So how much of a contributor is he? Yeah, he could be there for playoffs, but I don't. if I remember correctly, he wasn't there for the playoff run until the Super Bowl. So I do like the Chiefs. I don't think they take much of a step back at all this year. In fact, I think they're going to be where they've been in the last few seasons. What's your take on the Chiefs? Yeah, I agree. Um, they address everything they need to address, you know, and um, people say, oh, the Bucks had the greatest offseason because they kept all 22 of their starters. Um, that's great. I know that they won the Super Bowl last year, but but that means they didn't get any better. You know, in fact, they it's a potential they could get worse by keeping all 22 starters because I know their defense had a lot of older guys on that team. Um, and so it's just like just keeping them isn't always a good thing, even though it worked last year, right? Cause things are changing. Other teams are changing just like the chiefs are. And um, I think the chiefs are, even if it was a rematch of the super bowl, you take this current chiefs team. Now, I think it's a completely different ball game. Um, they, they, they did exactly what they needed to do. I, I, I think this this team is going to do really well again, and um, so yeah, I think I think they're going to be able to to defend their their uh, AFC West title and go far into the playoffs. So let's jump to uh, the next team. Let's let's do the the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, Justin Herbert had a, a very surprising rookie year. Um, so what do you what is your take on them? I really like what Justin Herbert was able to bring to the table last year. However, I do feel like he was put in situations where he had to be throwing it all over the yard. And because it seemed like every game they would go down 10 to 14 points before halftime, and then they would have to keep clawing their way back. 
income, somewhat close to winning, but for the most part, they were one game below 500. And it just, like every game, they were always scraping out of a hole. And it was just disappointing to see. Um, never want to see a coach get fired, but I think moving on from Anthony Lynn was the best thing they could do to try to try to get some different kind of spark going. I don't like that the some of the pieces they lost and Hunter Henry and Perryman, their linebacker. I didn't like those pieces going, but I do think they're trying their best, especially addressing the offensive line when they brought in Lindsley from Green Bay. I think that will be a great piece that adds stability to that line because the last few seasons, the Chargers line is just, offensive line, I should say, has just been a disaster. And Herbert, because he was more mobile, was able to have a bit more success than one would anticipate. Like if you kept Philip Rivers back there, I don't think they would have even been as close to 500 as they were. They were below 500, but I don't think they would have been close as they were. So I do feel like they're starting to get the pieces there, but they're a young team. So it depends how these young pieces start the gel. They address their secondary, which when you're in division with the Chiefs, you need your secondary to be addressed to hopefully stay close to them. I don't think you have the pieces there to beat them, but I do think you can be a competitive team. It's just hopefully the management of the clock and the game plan will help this team find better success so Justin Herbert can have a successful sophomore season. What's your take? I The change they made is the right change. That was the coach, and as you addressed, um, I can't remember the exact number, but nearly all their losses they had were by seven points or less. And so this is a team, I think if all those losses became wins i think i looked at it they could have been like 13 and 3 <laughs> uh probably beat the chiefs uh in in that division so clearly they're just a couple steps away and i've seen some of those end of those games and it was just pure coaching mistakes so uh obviously making a change there was important justin herbert i'm still a little bitter that the dolphins didn't get him but I think he's a fantastic player. I think the Chargers are fantastic. I, I think this team takes that step up. I think Herbert does take that sophomore leap if he stays healthy. And um, yeah, I, I, I like I like the direction they're going there. So let's move on to, uh, let's do the Vegas Raiders. Uh, what is your take on them this season? The Vegas Raiders are an interesting team. It's a good thing John Gruden is loved by the Davis family. Because how his success has been the last few seasons, I feel like he should... I don't want him to be on the hot seat, but I feel like he's in that position. He's won four, he's won four games the first season, seven. His second season and last season, he was eight wins. But those eight wins came at the cost of them losing pretty much their last six games, if I remember correctly. They, they were in playoff contention, and they won two of the last seven games. And that was a team that just fell apart. Like the beginning of the season, they were kind of surprising everyone by, oh, they're in this. They look like they might be in contender. And just from week 11 on down, they just fell apart. And that's where I don't know that John Gruden's really been addressing the things he needs. He's bringing in pieces, some say overpaying for some parts that he needs or over, over evaluating some pieces when they bring them in. And so I feel like this should, this season's kind of not do or die, but definitely a, where that seat's getting a lot hotter for John Gruden to where they may need to move on from him if everything doesn't mesh well. Josh Jacobs, good running back. I like how they brought in someone to back him up in Kenyon Drake. We'll see if he can capture that magic he had at Arizona a few seasons ago where he kind of, he lit the fantasy world on fire. John Brown, great 
addition in terms of replacing Nelson Aguilar in terms of a deep threat. Offensive line pieces you brought, debatable if they're going to help contribute. Willie Sneed, okay possession receiver, but the big thing is they're predicated on the run on the offensive side, and can their defense be sure enough to where they're not going to just get torn apart and lose games essentially down the stretch their defense and points against them. They were 30th out of 32 teams. Like that part should have really been addressed. And I don't feel like they did the best job they could. Felt like they reached for the safety they took in Morig in the draft, but who knows? Maybe he will be as good as everyone. I mean, he was projected to go first round. I just thought it was a bit of reach in the position they were in. So we'll see what happens with the Raiders. I'm not terribly optimistic though. What's your take, Nathan? I think this is going to be one of the more disappointing teams this year. Uh, yeah, Gruden should be on the hot seat. He's digressing. I don't think they've done anything to to um, help their team. They've had some questionable draft picks, uh, overdrafting players. Uh, I think we talked about that earlier. So I think they take a big step back, um, and I th- ultimately I think they make changes, quite a bit of changes after this season. And I think this is the year they realize that they need to to change some some leadership positions and. Um, uh, the Gruden experiment is not going to work, and so yeah, I I just I expect a a tire fire here, <laughs> uh, to say the least. So let's let's end with um, the Denver Broncos. Uh, obviously, they have been rumored to get Deshaun Watson, rumored to get Aaron Rodgers, and here we are, preseason time, and they still have Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. What is your take on Denver? Denver won't come out and say it, but. They are moving on from Drew Locke. They are selling hard on him. They they just don't feel like he has it. Now, watch. He wins the quarterback competition against Teddy Bridgewater and he ends up being the starter. But I don't know why. Like, last season, he was just awful. He had competent receivers, a good tight end, and Noah Fant. And his running back, Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, they're left out the dry. Like, they just stacked the box. They're like, go ahead. Drew Locke can't throw. We're not worried about him. So the Broncos is that franchise that they're desperate for a quarterback and for good reason. Now, I don't think Teddy is the long-term answer, but I think he can bring you some stability. I think he can make you a bit more competitive and you're not trying to like throw your way out of all these holes because that's what it felt like every Denver Broncos game when you would tune in the third quarter. It's similar to what I was saying, the Chargers really be in this hole. Except in, in this instance, it's not so much coaching. It's more of who you had behind center. And Drew Locke is the big reason why I feel like the Denver Broncos struggle a lot this season. I don't know that they make that big change or that big jump forward because I presume Teddy Bridgewater is going to take over, but I do feel like there's going to be more stability in how the game plan is done. What's your take, Nathan? I don't see much change here. If, if their quarterback position doesn't change, I think it's just going to be a very average, average season for them around 500, maybe slightly below 500. And so I I guess I just project this team just to be their defense carries them, gives them a, a few wins this season, but just our offense is just slow and um, really underwhelming and, and it just be just just not be a very good team this year. So I, I think they'll do better than the Raiders, but uh, simply because their defense is, is fantastic and uh, their head coaches specializes in that. But if you don't get the quarterback position right, it's gonna be hard to win games. So I have, I have them being about maybe around five hundred, slightly below five hundred, sort of team. 
So now let's go and... So now what we're going to look at is where do we rank these teams in the division? We'll start with fourth place, work our way up. So, Nathan, who do you see as the fourth place in this division, the AFC West? Yeah, I, I got the Vegas Raiders being fourth. Um, I have them at 6-11. and 11. Their over-under is 7, so I'm going to take the under there. Um, I just think this is going to be one of the most disappointing teams uh, in the NFL this season. What do you have? I also have the Vegas Raiders only getting six wins. I just, they haven't shown me they're going to be able to put it together consistently and keep it together. They didn't add enough pieces to convince me they really turned it. And when you play the Chiefs twice a year, just doesn't equal good results for you. Who do you have as your third place team, Nathan? I got the Broncos at third place. Like I said, I think around 500, slightly below. I got them at seven and ten, um, so I, I'm going with a little below 500. Just I, obviously they have the best team in the AFC over there. Plus, I think the Chargers are a, a lot better than they were last uh, last year. So uh, two, that's you know four games this season are going to be really hard to win. So I got them at seven to ten. Their over under is actually at eight and a half. Seems a little high uh, for my liking, especially for how. Um, Stack the AFC West, especially uh, between the Chiefs and the Chargers. So I got the under there at 7-10. Completely agree with the Broncos. I have them third as well. And with that 8.5, too rich for my blood, I have to go under. They haven't done, like, Teddy is going to be a better quarterback than Drew Locke, but he's not that much better to where they're going to go over 8.5. So I have seven wins as well for the Broncos in third place. I feel like we both have the same second and first place teams. But we'll start with second place. Who do you have, Nathan? I got Chargers second place. Um, obviously, they're, they're not going to be the Chiefs. Um, and the I, Chargers over-unders 9.5. I got them going 10-7 and seven this year, um, getting a pretty good uh, wild-card spot. Um, I think they turned a few of those uh, seven-point losses um, into wins this season, and um, we'll be able to capitalize on that and, and win a few more games and, and be a little bit more competitive and, and kind of be on the NFL map a bit. And... Uh, uh, we'll see. Maybe they can make some noise in the playoff if they get hot at the end of the year. I have the Chargers second, but I don't have them quite at 10 wins. I just have them one win below that. I have nine wins. The nine and a half was there. I really wavered between nine and 10 with it being nine and a half. I just stuck. I just went with my gut and went a slightly under with nine wins. Not a big jump from nine and a half, but I went with nine wins just because it always, I don't know, it just seems like something goes wrong for the Chargers. It just seems they're inevitable fate. Maybe they break fate this year, but look at their schedule. They have the NFC East, which will help give them quite a few wins. And they have the Bengals as well, reeling Steelers. So maybe that goes the other way. Maybe it goes more towards what you said, but I'm just, I'm being leery and just trying to, I guess, play it safe in some degree. So I say nine wins instead of 10. And then that leaves the first place team being the Kansas City Chiefs. What do you have for the Kansas City Chiefs, Nathan? Yeah, back to the Chargers. I think that might be our f one of our first ones that we've kind of disagreed on the over-under. So that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Uh, I got the Chiefs going over their 12.5. I got them going 13-4 and four, uh, this season simply because, I mean, they're going to obviously lose a couple games, but I know they have their eyes set on 20-0. I think it's possible. I, I like this team. I like this team better in Tampa Bay. Uh, so I do think it's possible if they can stay healthy and, and get in a rhythm. Obviously, picking 17-0 and 0 is, is a little unrealistic. So I just, you know, over under, let's just pick 13 to be safe. I know I'm pretty sure they're going to go over the 12.5. So got 13-4, and four, and I have them winning the AFC. 
I also have the Chiefs first, obviously, because all the other teams have been spoken for at this point. And I also have them going over 12 and a half. I just don't see much that's going to stand in their way from them winning the division. Like you said, they're not going to do a perfect season. They're going to start wrestling their guys towards the stretch because they're going to lock things up pretty early. I feel like, especially with uh, the projections I put for their division, they're going to have things pretty well locked up. So last two or three games, they're not going to care a whole lot about what happens with it. They'll they'll have their lineup out there, but they're not going to do a whole lot to stop the world. Early in the season, they have great matchups with the Bills and Browns, so I can't go too much more. So I'm going to say 14 wins instead of 13, but definitely over the 12 and a half as well. All right, so we agree on the standings. Don't quite agree on the wins, but that is the AFC West, man. We're wrapping it up, preseason on the way. Um, it's football season. Now we just got to enjoy a really hot weather week in Ohio until we get that nice fall football weather. Yeah, absolutely. And then, but with that being said, we're going to put a bow on this episode. We looked at the NBA free agency, AFC West. Next time, we'll probably do a recap of the Olympics or just kind of see what else tickles our fancy besides football. But definitely looking forward to that Hall of Fame game, which will be completed by the time this episode comes out. But thank you so much for joining us tonight. We have been the Sports Forecasters, Nathan Singer. I'm Nick Alvarez, and we'll talk to you next time.